0: Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back for another episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Definitely, definitely say what's up in the chat. I'm going live on this one. If you're listening, this is one of those episodes that would be fantastic for you guys to see on YouTube. And obviously, if you're watching it live now, you got what you need. You got your screen. Hopefully, your computer screen in front of you. Um, If you're watching this on your phone, again, come back to YouTube at some point and check this out. I'm going to be sharing my screen and showing you guys some cool stuff. Okay, so last week we went over 90, right? We went over EOS, We went over a few things. Ooh, I actually got to move this. We went over um, building blocks, right, in your business and in particular sales teams because that's what we talk about on the show. And I walk through the Vision Traction Organizer, what it's like to put that together, as well as I walk through the uh, quarterly rocks and how to reverse engineer those goals and to start setting up your scorecards. And so I was doing it in the truck and I was driving because I wanted to make sure that I got an episode out and I was basically running out of time. Thursday evening is the last day I have to record an episode so it can release on Friday. And so this one, same thing, it's going to release on Friday. Uh, We had a great episode earlier in the week. We had Mike Barron. Uh, He's a, uh, a fantastic sales trainer for high ticket closers. He's got a whole team uh high tech closers for his own business as well as he trains other people to do it as well so check that episode out if you get a chance Uh, otherwise let's get into building blocks part two and i do want to show you guys this visual before i get into the scorecard concept Um, i want to show you this visual because so many people start out their business as an entrepreneur or a solopreneur right and so when you look at uh, EOS and the way it's structured and the way that you set yourself up in 90, the top two positions, you've got visionary here and you got integrator here, right? And so the top two positions, they're on top of each other, visionary at the top, integrator right under that. I'm trying to explain it for people that are listening to the podcast as well. If you're familiar with this concept, this episode's going to go very smooth for you. If you're not familiar with it, go ahead and read What the Heck is EOS? It's a great book. It really breaks it down easily uh, one of my clients makes every one of his sales reps coming on to the company read it and i think it's one of the best things that he does and it integrates them right into the systems of the company right away and so look i know it's it's five o'clock in the evening and we're live but drop a like this is not what you want to be looking at at five o'clock in the in on a thursday evening but hopefully you're in front of your youtube if you're listening to the recorded version And you're able to see what I'm talking about here and what I'm showing you guys because it really is a game changer. So, most solopreneurs are wearing these six hats here. Okay. And so, what you're going to see if you're listening in, you got the visionary at the top, you got the integrator right under that. And under the integrator, there's four key players in the business typically you've got marketing, sales, operations, and finance. When you're a solopreneur, you are doing them all, right? When you're a solopreneur, you're wearing six hats in your business and you don't even know it. You just think, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. It's normal to wear six hats. It's not. Once you get to seven figures in business, this will no longer be normal. You will be drowning and your customers will suffer. Uh, If you have any hires at that point, they will suffer and your product and your reputation will suffer. And and in most businesses, that's what's going to happen right around the million dollar mark, right? If you're if you're a solopreneur, every business is different. I figured out I can do about half a million a year in consulting and coaching before I have to start delegating or doing one to many versus one to one. And so when we walk through this, Billy Bob is gonna be our business owner. And I'm using Billy Bob because uh, Billy Bob's Burgers is our favorite restaurant to go to as a family when we do family date night. So Billy Bob is our business owner, right? And billy bob let's just say he's got a roofing company so obviously he's in these six positions so his goal when we're looking at this is to get somebody for marketing so he no longer has to be the key player key player is a term i use a lot i don't care what your titles are i don't care about cso cmo coo any of that stuff ceo if you're using that title as a small business you're just doing it for cloud i'm sorry it's just truth. <laughs> you know what i'm saying uh, you're a CEO, uh one 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 of two. That's not a CEO. That's a corporate structure, right? And I've been guilty of this too, all right? So when I say key players, I mean, when it comes to the marketing, Billy Bob is responsible for all the marketing. When it comes to the sales, same thing. When it comes to operations, same thing. When it comes to finance, all right? Let's pretend that Billy Bob has gotten to a million dollars in his construction business. He's at a million dollars now. And so he's hired a few people. So let's look at marketing. All right, he's hired two people, not two people in marketing, but he has two people in marketing roles. One of them is a company, he's got a lead gen company bringing him in in new leads. Their only role in this situation is to generate leads and he gets to pay them directly per lead or a retainer plus advertising costs, whatever the case may be. All right, and so he's also got Jennifer. Jennifer is an admin in his company. Jennifer is holding multiple roles, but in the marketing division, she is responsible for CRM maintenance, 90 day leads, which is basically putting the other 90 day list for the salespeople to, to outbound and then build funnels for the salespeople. So these can be just general contact funnels or specific to whatever they're trying to do that week or whatever the case is. So Jennifer, you know, and, he, and you can go as far, what I love about this structure and what you guys are seeing is you're able to basically customize these things. So obviously I'm using the software called 90.io and um, I have a referral link in the, uh, the body of the post for you guys, as well as in the show notes. But anyways, so we've got these two positions under Billy Bob, who is the head of marketing right now. All right. Billy Bob is also the head of sales. So let's go over there. He's also the sales manager, right? So, when I look at a sales structure or an opportunity structure, you know, um, when you look at the key player role at the top, at minimum, that's going to be a regional director. And it may even be like a VP of sales. Right. But at the end of the day, whoever is responsible for sales is in that key player role to me, a one market sales manager is not the key player in sales. OK, so I'm. In, in this case, Billy Bob's a key player in sales and he needs to replace himself soon because he's also the residential sales manager. Right. And so and then we got Johnny over here to the side, which is the commercial sales manager. Now, Johnny is one on one. Commercial sales take a lot more knowledge, a lot more relationships. It's a longer term position. You know, so right now it's one on one. But we know once Johnny hits a certain sales mark, we're going to we're going to hire him. Some help, maybe an appointment setter, or even another salesperson that's going to help him expand the commercial sales division. Right. Uh, as far as residential sales, that's where 90% of the business is coming from right now. So when we break that out, we've got three salespeople working for Billy Bob. Now, really, let's go back and look at this thing and look at how many positions Billy Bob's really holding. It's not just six, right? And so we've got him at the visionary, at the integrator. He's he's overseeing the marketing. He's overseeing the sales. He's also the residential sales manager. And the responsibilities for that residential sales manager are recruit salespeople, train salespeople, manage salespeople and sales. So Billy Boss making his own sales. That he should be down here too. He's also managing salespeople. He's also responsible for the overall sales division. So that's three positions within the sales opportunity structure that we need to replace him in, right? And then he's the integrator and the visionary Overseeing marketing, operations, and finance. So this is what we mean when we say as a solopreneur, you're wearing all the hats, right? These are key positions in the company that you are are running when your business is doing maybe a hundred to five hundred thousand, right? So now when we look at these individual sales positions, okay, what are they responsible for? And this is a, a very common understanding that we need to keep sales responsible for sales. So Blake, Ryan and Tom are our salespeople in this case, right? And again, if you can get over to YouTube, check out this episode on YouTube because you're going to be able to see the visual that I'm looking at for this. Hopefully you're able to put it together in your head. That's something that that I can do in terms of accountability charts. And it means you're probably an integrator if you can do that. All right. So Blake, is a salesperson, his responsibilities, generate leads, close leads and account management. Ryan, salesperson, Tom, salesperson. Billy Bob is managing three salespeople, okay? And also Johnny, the commercial salesperson, Billy Bob is managing him as well because he's the head of all sales. All right, let's get into operations and check this out. All right, Jennifer is also in operations. So you see Jennifer in two places here. All right, so we know now if they're in two places, if we have to divide their roles into two places, we eventually need to replace them in one of those places. Which is the best place to replace them in? Well, in my mind, Jennifer is probably a longtime admin with the company, right? And she's doing the contracts, proposals, processing, phones, and front desk, right? And then we go over here and she's doing CRM maintenance, 90-day leads, and funnel builds, right? And so Jennifer is probably an integrator in training, in my mind. So long term, if I'm going to promote from within, I'm going to put in Jennifer long term into this role where she's going to oversee all other four roles or Johnny, my commercial salesperson or my future residential sales manager. They could all be moved into this integrator role or if we're over a million dollars and we're setting up a corporate structure that could eventually be the COO. Right. And so what's really cool is. If I identify that early on and Jennifer's like, man, it would be really cool if all I did was run operations one day. Well, look, Jennifer, that position, I would love or Billy Bob would love for you to fire him and get him out of that position so he can continue to do well in sales and marketing and integrating for the company, as well as being the visionary coming up with all the new ideas and everything. Right. And so this is where your employees and your people can start to see their opportunities within your structure visually. You know, when you sit down across an employee and you tell them, like, "Hey, we're building a multi-million dollar business here. You know, in 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 two in two years we'll be at five million, and I'm going to need this position, this position, this position, this position, and you're going to be the first to be promoted into those positions if you do well here." That's really hard for somebody that's entry level into a company or an employee to understand and even be able to visualize. But if you show it to them here, it makes sense. Hey, you're. You know, Mr. Business Owner, you're holding seven different positions. Let me take one of those away from you. Right. So, Jennifer, her long term plan is to get into that key player operations role. I like to call it a a systems director and oversee all operations. Right. All right. The other person we have in operations is Veronica. She's a VA. She's handling contracts, phones. She's an executive assistant to Billy Bob because he needs one because he's holding seven different hats. Right. And then she's also a general admin. Then we go over to finance. Billy Bob's got some help on the finance side. He's doing a million dollars a year. He needs a bookkeeper doing his books. So he outsources that to a bookkeeping company. All right. This is everybody in the company. This is how you have. What is this actual people in the company is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven people running a million dollar company. Now, the construction work is probably done by subs and uh, the salespeople are likely to ninety nine. So technically, um, you've got three, three W two people, and if the owner's not W two, then you only got one W two, and you got uh, everybody else is ten ninety nine. This is a common setup in most construction companies. All right, and so I wanted to make sure y'all saw the visual of this accountability chart, and you can also see within these positions, you know, when you look at. Uh, Billy Bob's sales role as the uh, overall key player in sales, his job is client relationship, client communication, outreach strategy, and customer retention. So when when the shit hits the fan, Billy Bob's stepping in. And that, that usually happens with the owner of the company. But as he promotes himself to visionary, he won't have to be the one long-term dealing with those things, right? And so that's the... That's the visual that I think opens a lot of people's eyes to realize, oh, my gosh, I'm holding seven, eight, nine different positions in the company. I've got to start replacing myself. I've got to figure out a way to sign a contract with someone and say, hey, if you bring me a new customer and you start being responsible for customer acquisition, then I can replace myself as a salesperson. So Billy Bob's already done a good job of that. He's replaced himself as a salesperson here, but he's still the sales manager and the head of overall sales overseeing commercial as well. And so his ultimate goal is to replace himself in all four of these key player positions, which is marketing, sales, operations, and finance, right? And, you know, we're talking probably 5 million plus Mark is where he needs to replace himself as the integrator. Most business owners are visionaries. And so most business owners, if somebody has a two to $5 million business, they are walking around right now, a little lost, and they're looking for an integrator. So if all this stuff makes you geek out, you're probably an integrator and you probably have a six-figure role with equity stake waiting for you somewhere. So <laughs> make, sure, make sure that you understand that that is an opportunity out there for you guys. Okay, so that's the accountability chart. That's one of the key systems when you look inside of 90.io, the software that I'm showing you guys this right now. All right, let's get into rocks. So we talked about rocks in the last episode. But I want to show you guys how to hold your team accountable to their rock. So I've set up a, a faux account here, and uh, you know we got our salespeople. We're going to focus on the sales division because this is building great sales teams, right? And so we're focusing on the sales division. We got teams right here. We got leadership, sales, and you can do operations, finance. You can have individual team meetings, all that good stuff, and you can run them in this software, which is what I love about it. All right, so let's walk through it. We got Tom, Ryan, and Blake. All right, Tom's. Goal, Tom's rock for the quarter is 30 sales. Okay. The reason in that I always tie these rocks to something that they'll get if they execute on the rock, right? And so if he executes, he's gonna get 75k in earnings. And I know this may be a little hard to see, but I'll walk you guys through it. He and he's gonna buy himself an investment property. That's his reward to himself. Now, hopefully, your company culture is all about growing and developing yourself. Making investments so you don't have to work the rest of your life and you set up your retirement plan, your personal retirement plan, and then also um, data-centric goals, right? And so that's his rock, all right? Now, this is important. You got to remember this because if that's his rock and um, a rock is a quarterly goal and there's 13 weeks and a quarter, well, that means that he needs to make two sales a week in order, order to hit this rock, right? So keep that in mind. All right, so Ryan, Ryan's goal is 25 sales and he wants a new Mustang. So, uh if he does 25 sales, he's going to make 62,500 and I've got this right around $2500 a sale, so that's his goal for the quarter. And then Blake, his goal is 40 sales and he wants to pay for 1 year of all of his kids' college. Blake's got three kids in college, 33 grand a kid he wants to pay for one year of it in one quarter of sales at this company. All right. So let's go into scorecards. All right. And this is a post that I made yesterday. So if you guys scroll up on my profile, you're going to see a post I made yesterday where I explained this. And so I'm going to walk through it again for the podcast because I do. I I believe it's incredibly important. Notice that we are setting these rocks based on the individual salespeople's goals, not our company goals. Again, we are basing these rocks on the individual salespeople's goals, not our company goals. It is our job to have enough salespeople to hit our company goals, not our salespeople's job to have enough sales to hit our company goals. I'm going to say it again because it's so freaking important. These rocks are based on Our salespeople's goals, not our company goals. Our job is to have enough salespeople to hit our company goals, not for the salespeople to have to hit the company goals. All right. Sales manager is a little different. We want to incentivize him on the company goals. We want to make sure he has big enough goals so that he's in line with them. But the individual sales reps, the only thing that they should be worried about is I want to hit my personal goals so I can buy my new Mustang. I want to hit my personal goal so I can buy that investment property. I want to hit my personal goal so I can put my kids through college. All right. So now that that's established, let's take a look at these scorecards, right? So we got our rocks in place. Let's go look at these scorecards. Oh, this is where I get geeky. I get real geeky, guys, because this is just this is just a beautiful thing to me, right? And so. What I love about 90 is you, or what I love about EOS in general and these concepts that Gina Whitman teaches is that you can do this all yourself in a spreadsheet. You don't need a software like this, but here's the thing. This software is $16 a user. Then think once you get up to five, it's like 14 and it, it go, it's so cheap, guys. And when it comes to Excel spreadsheets, I'm not the best at it, but I have more Excel spreadsheets with more reporting over 13 years than you can ever imagine. That's because I paid somebody else to put it together because I didn't want to deal with it. But I had the vision for the scorecard, right? And so when we go through these scorecards, we've obviously got these sales targets. We've got a goal here in this column. These sales targets are in line with their rocks. Okay, if you're telling me you want a certain amount of money so you can get a certain thing, I'm going to reverse engineer that certain amount of money to make sure that you're hitting your sales goal every week. So at the end of the quarter, you hit your rock your overall target right and so when we look at blake here if blake wants to make two sales a week he's got to have a 20 percent conversion rate he's got to have 10 appointments a week which means he needs a 10 percent prospecting conversion rate in order to get uh, 10 appointments out of 100 prospecting activities okay and so one of the first thing that needs to be on the scorecard is the controllable action, the controllable action that is going to get you the result that you want. One of the things that I, I hate to see is a scorecard and all it has is sales on it sales per day, sales per week, sales per month, and that's it. That makes no sense to me. I would almost rather have a scorecard that had nothing but controllable actions on it and no sales results. Why? Math is why. Okay. If company wide, we know that we convert at a 20% conversion rate. So every 10 appointments we have, we have two sales, right? And we know that if we knock on 100 doors or have 100 outbound calls or whatever the prospecting activity is, that we will get 10 appointments. Then that's just simple math. Now we just got to reverse engineer their goals according to that. Okay. So to make it simple, I gave everybody a prospecting activity goal of 100. Okay, so Blake was able to to make a hundred outbound calls. He was able to get 10 appointments from it. So what's nice about this is most of these. And I'll widen this out so you can see the formula and kind of how this works. Most of these are just regular measurables, right? So you set up the measurable name in this case, prospecting activity, Blake. You set up a description if you need one. And then the goal, the number and the amount, right? And then uh, goal orientation rule greater than or equal to goals. So these are all things that you're setting up. So that it goes green whenever they hit their goal, right? Just a quick look at that. All right. So then when you look at conversion rates, these are what we call smart measure rules. So I'm putting together a formula. And again, this is just a fancy Excel spreadsheet for dummies like me that don't like doing Excel spreadsheets, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so, all I, all I have is a uh, Blake's appointments divided by his activity amount gives me his conversion rate. And I have to multiply it by 100 so it comes out as a percent here. Okay, so I know that if he knocks 100 doors, he gets 10 appointments, it's a 10% conversion rate. That's easy math, right? And so this is, this is how I'm going to hold the guys accountable on a weekly basis. So I'm gonna have what we call a sales L10 weekly. And I am going to, as a sales manager, or in this case, Billy Bob, he is the sales manager he is going to be covering these numbers every week we cover the controllable actions that you need to take in order to hit your sales goal in order to hit your rock which you said you wanted so you could buy your mustang or your investment property i cannot say this enough if you are not managing your salespeople this way and filling in the gaps that they need help on then you need to start today i'm 100 convicted on this been doing it for 13 years Somehow, I was a, or I, my team and I, based on these structures and these strategies, were able to manage a hundred plus salespeople at any given time using this. And it's insane when you think about it. But as long as you have your KPIs in place and you know their goals and you reverse engineer those goals, you're all on the same bus moving in the same direction. And guess what? If in this case, our team goal, so we can go down here and see our team prospecting activities, our team appointments and our team sales. So like, if I have multiple teams and multiple trainers managing those teams, I can now go and I can have another division, which is sales leadership. I can have multiple teams on there and their average numbers on there. So I can be mo- managing those leaders instead of managing individual salespeople. And then I can go to the individual teams and see, okay, who's not pulling their weight and find out, hey, you know, Tom here. And then this is just one week that we're showing right here. But imagine that the last three weeks, Tom's only hit 60 to 80 uh, outbound calls a day. Okay. So this is where the accountability comes in. So we're, we're in a meeting with Tom. And I'm like, hey, Tom, how come you're only hitting 60 to 80 outbound calls a day? Well, this and that and excuse after excuse, whatever the case is, And, you know, so I'm going to I'm going to say to Tom, Tom, you said you wanted to buy your first investment property. You wanted to be the first person in your family to buy your your first or buy an investment property. You wanted to be the one from your family, change things for your kids, have this investment portfolio and hand it over. And, you know, company wide, if you knock on 100 doors or I'm sorry, if you do out 100 outbound prospects. 100 outbound calls a day. You know that if you do that, on average, you'll close two deals a day. And if you close two deals a day, that's 65K for the quarter. And your burn rate, according to what we talked about when you got hired, is about 30K a quarter. So that'll give you 35K for a down payment on that investment property that you want. Uh, and, you know, all the other things taken into account, too, taxes, all that good stuff, right? And so, You're holding them accountable to a controllable action that'll get them what they said they wanted. That's completely different than saying, hey, everybody at this company gets two sales a week. Everybody at this company is pulling their weight. Why aren't you? You know what I'm saying? It's a completely different conversation that you get to have because you know their numbers, you know what they want, and you're able to show it to them and hold them accountable for it. Again, the top of the scorecard is a controllable action. All right, so what about real sales management? What about actually managing these people and making them better and pouring into them and helping them get be better salespeople? Well, that's where these conversion rates come in, right? So if we look at Blake's numbers, he's converting 10% into appointments and then he's converting 20% into his two sales a week. So he's in good shape, right? He's nailing it. Ryan, on the other hand, went out. He's doing the work. So this is, this is where you can really figure out. All right. Tom's not doing the work. Ryan's doing the work. Um, That's why Tom's not getting sales. Ryan's struggling, but he's at least producing something because he's doing the work. So I can see that in here. All right. When you talk about minimum expectations, we have a standard. Now you're measuring that standard. Okay. So Ryan is converting 6.7% of his prospecting activities into appointments. He's getting eight appointments a week. He's converting 12% of his appointments into a sale. All right, so both of Ryan's conversion rates are under the mark, but what does that mean? Well, the first thing it means is his prospecting conversion rate is way under the mark. So I need to talk to Ryan about the conversations he's having in these outbound calls. I need to go and listen to his recordings from the calls. Or if he's door knocking, I think go and listen to a Zero recording. Drop Zero. <laughs> that link will be in the show notes. is fantastic. You can put it, put it in your pocket, your phone in your pocket, and it'll AI record all your pitches from the day. And uh so you'll know how many pitches you had, uh, what were the best closing lines, all that good stuff. It it it, it does an analytization process and words per minute, all that good stuff. But anyways, so I know that. That, you know, as far as Ryan's closing ability, that may just be a fluke because he only had one sale, but his conversion rate on prospecting is pretty bad. So I need to work on his intro and his qualify of these prospects into appointments. Right. And so I need to work on uh, that appointment setter script. You know, that outbound call trying to get appointments. I need to work on that. And that's showing me that, you know, and uh, let's just say he, he went in, he got two deals. So we'll change this here, that'll update there. So out of eight appointments, Ryan closed two deals, he's closing at a 25% conversion rate. So Ryan is a closer, but he's not a good appointment setter. So even though he's got less appointments, he's closing the same deal as Blake up here, but Blake is a good appointment setter, so he doesn't have to outbound as many people. And so when you talk about working on certain sections of these, uh, of these salespeople's pipeline, this is where you get the data to do that. And a sales manager can can isolate certain sections of a salesman's game and start working on that and reinforcing that. That is sales management. Having salespeople come to you and telling you telling telling you their feelings for the day, and you trying to accommodate those feelings and pump them up and and you know get them in the right mindset, that's not sales management. That's only like 10% of the game. Most of sales management come from having the data in order to understand how do everybody doesn't need the same training. If you're doing the same thing for everybody as a sales manager, you're getting it wrong. Everybody does need customized training. It's like a teacher. You know, a teacher has an overall lesson for the day. And then she starts working with the students one on one individually. And and here's what we can do for 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 Ryan long term. We can pair him up with Blake for a day. He can shadow Blake for a day and Blake can show him how he's getting such a 30 a percent higher conversion rate on prospecting activity than than he than Ryan is. And he can show them, show him, uh, pair him up. So you can start pairing people up according to their strengths and weaknesses and having them work together for a day. And if you've hired properly, they're going to be all about that conversion rate. Right. And so Billy Bob is managing his salespeople this way. And so he's doing pretty well on that. But he's recognizing, hey, we're not getting enough appointments. We're not getting enough sales because of that. And so I need to up my ad dollars on the marketing or we need to start having a prospecting activity of 120 so we can start meeting this mark. Right. Wrong. Billy needs to hire another salesperson if he wants to hit that six sales a week number. Obviously, three Three salespeople. Now we're we're improving the salespeople. We're managing them. But long term, if Tom keeps putting up these 70, 80 a week numbers when the target is 100. I know that Tom isn't willing to do the work in order to achieve the result. Right. He may he may have a good week every now and then because he decides to work. But over time, you're going to see that Tom isn't willing to put in the work. And so you'll know you'll be able to fire with confidence based on the data. Based on the controllable actions that Tom is not doing in order to to achieve his goal that he said he wanted. We achieve our goals here at this company and we do that by controllable actions. Now, here's the beautiful thing. If it's just Tom's ability and he's knocking it out and he's doing 100, 110, 120 prospecting activities every week. Well, then I know it's either his appointment setting script or it's his closing ability. And I can work on those things. If I'm recording his conversations and I'm using AI to analyze them, now I know, hey, Tom's struggling with the price objection. Tom's struggling with the quality objection. Tom's struggling with the reputation objection, whatever the case is, because it'll start analyzing what he's not closing and what he is. So this is how we can get really geeky in this kind of stuff and this is what builds great sales teams in my mind 100 percent. this is what builds great sales teams and so when you look at 90 as a software and what it can do for you um and again I, I i've been talking about 90 so much because i was uh i was at apex entrepreneurs and we're having these conversations about these controllable actions and these scorecards and, I'm, and I realized right away, nobody is using EOS, which is silly. Everybody knows about EOS, but you're not freaking using it. You're all about the Crystallizer score, knowing if you're a visionary or an integrator. And that's cute. That's awesome. You know what I'm saying? But most of you don't have an integrator in your company, so it really doesn't matter if you're one or the other. you got to do both. Am I wrong or am I wrong? Am I right or am I right? <laughs> and so if you're having to do both, then you know, need to know how to execute this. And so I wanted to make sure, you know, when we did our breakout session, I, I took over and I helped the guys or the the, the people in that breakout with their scorecards. And, and I did it because this is what I've been doing for clients for the past year. This is what I've been doing for my own business for 13 years. And so I wanted to make sure that I went over this stuff. Okay. So that's the accountability chart. That's the uh, rocks that we're going to set. And then we reverse engineer for the scorecard. So let's talk about the meetings, right? And so right now for most of the uh, the companies that I'm doing this for, I have a leadership meeting and that's typically between me and the owner. I have an operations meeting. So that's operation centric staff. And then I have a sales meeting right now. These are the two divisions that do the most work in the company. So and it, it's a once a week L10 and the L10s are structured this way. And this is headlines as normally uh, right after scorecard, but they do a little different in this structure, and so I'm gonna redo it later. But, anyways, so the 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 structure is this in, in these meetings. Let me uh, let me start a meeting so I can kind of show you guys this. And so if we start a leadership, well, let's let's call it an ops meeting. We start an operations meeting. In the beginning of the meeting, we're just gonna go over good news. Good news can be business or personal; doesn't really matter. We want to go over positive things. It sets the tone for the meeting. We get to build a little rapport with our team before we ease into the scorecard. The next piece is the scorecard, right? And so we'll put the sales here. So this is where I'm holding my people accountable to the metrics, right? And uh some of the some of the the metrics on the operations side. So if we're talking uh, you know, fulfillment timelines, you know, uh, if normally projects complete in 21 days, that's a plus or minus. KPI, right? You guys know the KPIs in your operations of your business, so you can set those on your scorecard. And so uh, on the sales side, obviously it's going to be the prospecting activities, these are controllable actions. And so I'm going to hold them accountable to those. And so if I see, you know, okay, we got an issue with the conversion rate here. I'm going to come here and I'm going to make it an issue. So what I love about this structure is this is not about calling them out is finding a solution to their problem so that they can get their kids college paid, whatever the case is. Right. And so you should be able to go through the scorecard about five minutes, identify the issues because they're not hitting the goals or whatever the case is. And so Tom's obviously got a conversion rate issue there too. So we're going to cover that. Right. And then um, Ryan's not setting up enough appointments because of the conversion rate issue. And so we can kind of point to this conversion rate thing, but on Tom. We can point to the prospecting activity. So, I'm going to create an issue from that too, right? And so, you create your issues from the data and then you review your rocks. Like, okay, these issues were created because we're not on track with our rocks. Let's just say Tom's off track because he's not doing the work. We talked about this. Ryan's on track. Blake's on track. They're both hitting two sales a week. They're on track for their targets. Uh, if they continue with that, they will hit those rocks, right? And so do we need to create an issue from that independent rock of Tom's? No, we've already created one for the prospecting activity, which is we've identified as the problem. All right, so now we're going into headlines. I like headlines right after Segway. It makes more sense to me. And you can customize this agenda as long as you hit all these things, right? So headlines are things that do not need to be talked about. They just need to be informed. The team needs to be informed of them, that's it. Anybody on the team can create a headline. And so whenever you're working throughout the week and you realize, oh, there's an issue, you don't go in that person's office and ostracize their time and talk about the issue and try and figure it out just one-on-one. You add it to the issues list uh, in 90 so that y'all cover it in the next meeting. Now, obviously this is something that is not urgent, right? But it's like hey our conversion rates from our sales teams are pretty low it's causing our marketing dollars to go up and so that's an issue so i put that in the the operations issues and we talk about it in operations and we make sure hey there's nothing we can do to make that better all right we're going to move it over to sales issues so that they can cover it in their sales meeting right and obviously the uh operations uh key player in the company or the coo or the integrator or if it has to be the visionary, they're going to be in both of those meetings and be able to go over that with you or go over that in the issues list. Okay, so once we go over headlines, then we're gonna go over our to-do list, right? These are to-dos that were created from the week before that had a, typically have a deadline of this week to get done. The to-dos are the solutions to the issues. Say it one more time, the to-dos are the solutions to the issues. So you don't mark an issue as solved until you assign a to-do for someone to complete that, okay? And so that's what the to-dos are there for. We're reviewing the to-do list if any of the to-dos are past due because they all have a due date on them. It's like smart goals. We're making sure it's measurable, achievable, timeline, all that good stuff, right? So the to-dos, we need to make sure that, um, that they're done on time. Now we get into the issues. This is the meat and potatoes of the meeting. And this is how you're managing your business, right? the meat and potatoes of the the meeting you need to keep it solution centric this is not where oh you know ryan's not converting his prospects it's ryan's fault ryan's problem no ryan has not got the training he needs to convert enough prospects so his conversion rate is high enough that is how we approach these things and so let's pair ryan up with blake blake has a great conversion rate from his prospecting activities and that's the solution. So I created to do for Blake. Just come in here. I created to do for Blake. And Blake trained one day with Ryan. That's all That's all it is right there. And what do we see when we come to the scorecard the next week? Maybe Ryan's conversion rate has increased a percent or two. Maybe, uh, and then that to do has been done. We mark it off. We're good to go. And then one of my favorite parts about this is that everybody gets to rate the meeting. Again, the rating is about the meeting, not the facilitator, not the integrator, not the operations person that's running it. It's not about the person that's running it. It's about the team's ability to have a good meeting. And that's what you're rating. And so um, the ratings one to 10. And then you average out those ratings. And what you'll see long term, once you finish, everybody will get an email with a summary from the meeting. And this is this was my favorite thing. And this is the crescendo of this episode in my mind. This is my favorite thing that would happen all the time. Let me get this off the screen. And this is the the crescendo of the episode in my mind. I would get L10 summaries from my departmental teams throughout the week. And I would just get the email and I would get to see, all right, here's the good news. Here's what they covered. Here's what they accomplished. Here's the issues they discussed. And guess what happened in my leadership meetings? I was ready for the leadership meetings because I could see there's still pending issues from the marketing meeting or from the sales meeting or from the operations meeting, whatever the case was. And so what this does is it takes all that craziness that's going on in here. You're trying to remember every day and that task list you're trying to update every day and it organizes it, it systemizes it and it silos it and it scorecards it. So, you know, the health of every department, you know, the major issues in every department. You know, the the key players that are winning on the scorecards in every department, you now have a real pulse on your business in my mind. And so this episode's been all about building blocks part two. There is so much more to unpack in this software that I haven't even gone through yet. And that's one of the things that I wanted to make sure you guys knew. Look, EOS is a fantastic brand. The concept that Gina Wickman came up with, you know, a lot of you were already already operating it before EOS came out because you were natural born integrators. I know we had scorecards and beautiful recruiting reports and sales reports and all these things before EOS got trendy and popular. But what they did is they made it, they made it palatable to the masses. And I and when I say masses, I mean business owners, right? Obviously. Those aren't the masses, but they made it palatable and understandable with books like What the Heck is EOS, with Rocket Fuel, with Traction, you know what I'm saying? But then they franchised it, right? And so I looked into it and I looked at becoming an integrator and um, an EOS implementer is the trademark term. And I just, one of the first things that they told me was, okay, but if you do this, that can... Be the only thing that you advertise, which made no sense to me. I'm already consulting. I'm already coaching, you know. So why would I pigeonhole myself into just being an EOS implementer? It doesn't make any sense in my business. And so that's the only reason that I haven't gone after that because I don't want to be pigeonholed. And so, but I will preach and I will promote softwares like 90 and systems like EOS all day because entrepreneurs need them. And EOS can become your quasi integrator. You know, they make it sound super complicated, but it's not. Just get the software, fill in the blanks. It'll walk you through it. They have tutorials and testimonial. Just fill in the blanks and you guys can start executing on this stuff. So that's been your Building Blocks episode part two. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, our episode coming out on Monday. This one will come out Friday morning, the 2nd, and then Monday, the 5th. Uh, will be, I'm drawing a blank, um, Tommy DeLong, on Monday the 5th, it'll be Tommy DeLong, he'll be talking about um, his faith, his new coaching business and everything, it's a great episode, really one for the family man, you know what I mean, that has all the, the weight on his shoulders and we're talking about kids and faith and uh, the the demands of entrepreneurship and juggling and all that, so I'm looking forward to to you guys hearing about that as well. Thank you, and as always, let's get building.